0: Everyone here today at First Apostolic Church. God bless you. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand. We are so thrilled, so thrilled to have you here. Now, You only come one time as a guest. After that, we just claim you make you part of the family. And so we're thrilled that you've come. We want you to feel right at home because that's that's where you are, among family and among friends. And we're very grateful to have you with us. I'm glad to have two of our college students back home with us, Brother TJ, Brother Khalil. God bless them. Amen. Amen. From Cleveland and Dayton. And they... They have made their way back home and I always love seeing uh, our wonderful young uh, men and women who are doing such a good work for the Lord and living for God. It's a wonderful thing to behold. I do want to make just a couple of announcements uh, before we proceed. I do want to give you just a quick update on our holiday schedule. Uh, There will be no midweek services uh, this week or the following uh, Wednesday uh, and This, of course, is due to the Christmas holiday. Uh, There will be no service a week from today on Christmas Sunday because of the holiday. But on Christmas Eve, Saturday night at 9 o'clock in the evening, giving everybody a chance to have some festivities and time with one another and family. But when you come to uh, 9 o'clock on Christmas Eve, we want you to know we're going to be here in the presence of the Lord having a beautiful Christmas Eve service. There will be candlelight. There will be singing. There will even be some sharing of the Word of God. And it's going to be a beautiful time on Christmas Eve uh, this Saturday evening. And so you will want to look forward to that. We will also be having our New Year's Eve service December 31st. And we're going to be uh, having a great time on that evening at 7 o'clock p.m. That next morning, don't stay up too late on that night. But on that next morning, we're going to be having, of course, our New Year's Day service, normal time, regular time. But there will be no evening service on New Year's Day, January 1st. And then after that, we're just getting right back into our regular schedule, regular programming. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning. God is so good. I do want to share with you one more item, and that is that we, as, I, as we've mentioned, and many have participated, and we're so grateful for that, for the Angel Tree Program. These are gifts that we we're able to give to families that have been affected by the incarceration uh, of a parent or parents. And we're so honored to be able to bless those family at, families at this time of the year. We do have several families that are beyond our uh, zip code and beyond in other parts of the state. And so many of those packages are going to have to be mailed to them, many of those gifts. If you were not able to participate in the purchasing of the gifts but would still like to participate in the Angel Tree Project, and we want to welcome you to see ConnectPoint to see about a way that you can participate in mailing those packages. It's about $10 to $15, uh, 10 to $13 a package, and uh, you could still participate. If you were a participant in the Angel Tree Program and would still like to help, why, we would welcome that as well. And so this would be a great time and an opportunity for you to bless the life of someone who may never know your name, but we know that God knows all things. Amen. And God is so willing and able to bless people. And we are thankful for each and every person who has participated. Do please see Connect Point uh, following today's service. Those packages will need to be put in the mail tomorrow in order to get there on time for Christmas. Amen. I love Jesus. And I love you and i love the presence of the lord that we feel in this house this morning why don't we just lift up our hands to him again and thank him for blessing us thank him for his spirit that we feel in this place lord we give you praise this morning hallelujah come on let's give him praise today we thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus the spirit of the lord is in this house hallelujah i wonder if you could just say god thank you for keeping me through another year Hallelujah. How many times in 2016 did you wonder what the outcome was going to be, and yet here you are. You've come. Hallelujah. His mercies are new every morning. His compassion fails not. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. We are honored today to have with us some very special guests and uh, some very dear friends of our family, and uh, we're Thrilled to have with us all the way from Palm Bay, Florida. No stranger uh, to First Apostolic Church, uh, Pastor David Myers and Sister Amy Myers and their children Luke and Gregory and Sophia. And we are honored to have this family with us. Pastor Myers is going to be bringing the word this morning, and then again tonight. And uh, at 6 p.m. in our 6 p.m. service. So we're going to have a great time all day long. We love this wonderful man of God, this wonderful family. They're doing a powerful work in Palm Bay, Florida. He's quite an accomplished individual as he pastors one of the great apostolic churches of our time. And not only that, but he has been very involved with helping to restore values of a Bible basis In the United States of America He's argued before the U.S. Supreme Court And participated in arguments Before the U.S. Supreme Court He's had many opportunities To speak the truth of God To powerful individuals We're delighted to have them with us today In Cincinnati, Ohio And we want you to welcome Pastor David Myers As he comes to share the word of the Lord today God bless you
1: Everybody said praise the Lord Isn't the Lord good? Amen. What a joy it is to be with you and to feel the presence of the Lord and uh, just to come into this great house and to know that there are a group of people gathered here today with the purpose of magnifying the Lord. Amen. How many of you have been around long enough? You you remember that song that we used to sing that uh, I think it was Sandy Patty and Larnell Harris sang, More Than Wonderful. My wife was talking about that song the other day. We were thinking about some scriptures and just reflecting in this Christmas season. And uh, she said, You remember that song that Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty used to sing? We were driving in the car. And I said, Yeah, and of course, you know, through all the incredible technology that we have now, she on her phone plugged here and there. And all of a sudden, the car was filled with, He's more wonderful than my mind can conceive. I mean, we we're going down the highway saying, He's more wonderful. You can create an atmosphere that the Lord will come in anywhere you are. Amen. And to feel that same presence of the Lord as we came in today, what an honor it is to be with you and to see all the great uh, accomplishments and what God is doing and purchasing of this other building and the plans for a future auditorium and right here on the interstate, This is a lighthouse to this entire Cincinnati metro area. God's people taking a stand for righteousness. Amen. And of course, your good pastor and his wife and family, they're some of our closest friends, and and, uh, we just so enjoy uh, being with them and just, you know, the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. And when you get with people of like precious faith and we're able to uh, just laugh and enjoy life together. It's just a great privilege. And uh, you have um, a tremendous pastor and his wife and a really the, one of our great voices for revival in our generation, Pastor Joel Urshan, really is. Amen. And Brother and Sister Buller, amen. We love you. We give honor to you. Amen. I love them. They've been friends for a long time. And I know you've been standing, so let me quickly turn to our text. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Now, I know you guys are probably, you know, maybe dreading the winter weather. But when you come from Florida, all of my children are praying for snow today. So if it snows today, you can blame it on us Floridians. We love to play in it and then go home. <laughs> Amen. They said they said it dropped 30 degrees overnight. We were like, yeah, you know, because we have these coats that we wear once every five years, and we want to, <laughs> amen. But it is great to be up here with you at this time of the year. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, and how many of you know it doesn't matter if you make $1 a year or $10 million a year, you can spend all. You can really go through it no matter where your socioeconomic level is. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land And he began to be in want. Now that's the phrase I want us to focus on this morning because I'm sure to him that was a negative situation. But the fact that he began to be in want was actually a positive situation. Because when you begin to be in want, that's when God can do a work in your life. Now I want to talk for you, uh, talk this morning for a little bit on the subject, the blessing of want. The blessing of want. Would you close your eyes, lift your hands and your voices. Now let's pray one more time. Lord, we're thankful for your blessings, your spirit. Thankful for your word. Thankful for your people that are gathered in your house in your name today. We ask you, Lord, that you would bless this time together. I pray that you would anoint lips of clay to speak your word, hearts and minds to receive it. And let the supernatural demonstration of the Holy Ghost have its way in this place today. And we'll give you praise. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I heard a story about um, a man that was from the Midwest, possibly around this area, that was a farmer. He had a nephew that was very bright. In fact, he uh, had gone to one of these Ivy League schools and was a Rhodes Scholar. And he had come home to visit uh, family during the summer. And so... um, the uncle was a little fearful that maybe he would gotten up there in those Ivy League schools and perhaps had forgotten, you know, his roots and and all that, you know, represents these good Midwestern values. And he decided to take his nephew camping. And uh, so they went out camping and uh, they were out there, you know, first night. And they were looking up and, into the heavens and all that. And uh, just, you know, no, not, no earthly, you know, secular lights around, you know, man-made lights just... Just the light from the sky and all that, and he looked over at his nephew and he said, uh, "What do you see when you look up in the sky?" And the nephew, of course, who had, you know, a year or two of uh, college under his belt now—this is for all of our returning college students—he said, "Well, he said, um, when I look up in the sky, astronomically speaking, I I see the stars and the galaxies, and it shows me how huge and." vast the universe is above us and around us and he said if I I look at the sky meteorologically I see that the skies are clear and that there are no clouds and it shows that for some time there will be no rain and it will be clear and beautiful and he said if I look up in the sky and I think theologically I see a world that shows God's amazing glory and ability and he turned to his uncle and he said uh what do you see the farmer laid there for a moment he said When I look up and see that sky, I see that somebody stole our tent. (laughs) Amen. We have all had loss in life. Things that maybe were taken from us, things that were stolen, maybe something that we lost. But I believe that there is a silver lining in the loss. The story that we read here, a portion of this parable that Jesus was giving in his teaching. It is uh, commonly referred to as the prodigal son. A young man who is well into his adult life years and is now desiring to party and to do his own thing in a, in a different place and with different people. Needing money to finance this fun spree, he asked his father for an advance in his inheritance. The boy's reason is, why wait until I am old when I can inherit my father's money now and And really put it to good use. I want it now, of course, being addicted to this instant gratification culture that we're a part of, ladies and gentlemen. is not anything new. And so the father gives into the request and he gives the boy the money. And you and I may look at this decision and we may think that the father made a mistake. But Jesus was trying to show that this is exactly what God did when he gave mankind what they wanted. And it all started with a free will. He gave man a free will. If we looked at the children of Israel, we would see that they wanted to be delivered from Egypt, and they received that. And then we see that the children of Israel wanted a king, and, and they received that. And so God will give you what you want for, so you and I have to be careful of what we want for. We have to not just have a desire, but we have to have a desire for the right things. The boy that we read about in this, in this uh, prodigal son parable takes his money and heads to las vegas or whatever the biblical equivalent is and while the money is flowing everything is fun seemingly but when the money runs out the friends run out the boy is left with nothing meanwhile back at the ranch his father is still praying for him and running out of the house every morning and and going down and looking there the dusty road that leads to it to see if he's coming home and He's not there. Every morning the father goes and looks and he's not there. No younger son. Money is gone. Friends are gone. But still no son. Meanwhile, back in Vegas, the boy turns the corner. If not spiritually, at least a corner in our humanity. And sometimes deliverance comes in stages. The Bible says that he spent all and there was a famine in the land. This was now a combination of bad decisions and a bad environment. He spent all and there was a famine in the land. You know, most of the times they'll show, if you look at these studies that they do from the National uh, Transportation Safety Board and all that, when there's an airplane crash, it's very seldom one thing because one thing trained pilots can usually overcome. But it's always a series of at least two or three things that happen simultaneously that causes an airline to go down or causes there to be some catastrophe. And, and really life is the same way. It's usually one thing we can handle, but when we get hit with two or three or four things, it wasn't just that your mother-in-law moved in that all your problems started. It was, you know, when your husband lost his job and, and your son wrecked the car and I mean, it's usually a combination of things. You know, it's uh, Christmas time, and I heard about a fellow that was trying to figure out what to buy his wife. And I don't know if you all have the same arrangement that we have in our family, but the deal that we have is that I buy for my wife, and she buys for everyone else. It's a beautiful situation. I used to fret and worry about what to get everyone, but now I just buy. Well, I heard about a fellow that was trying to figure out what to buy for his wife, and she was trying to give him hints without saying she really wanted to, a sports car. She said, I want something that goes zero to 200 in less than six seconds. And she winked at him and he winked back and he thought that he knew what she meant. She thought that he meant he knew what she meant and they thought they had communicated. You know how marriage life works. And he said, I got it, baby. And so on Christmas Day, he bought her a scale. And that's when the trouble began. <laughs> And maybe if it had just been that one thing, he could have recovered from. But then he decided to buy his mother-in-law a cemetery plot. And she wasn't very happy about that. And so next year when it rolled around and he didn't buy her any Christmas presents at all, and she said, how come you didn't buy me a Christmas present? He said, well, you still haven't used the one I got for you last year. It's a combination of things that get you in trouble. Is the season. <laughs> Most crisis points are the result of more than one problem. The, the, but the problems are there for our benefit. We don't see the problems as a blessing in disguise. We think God is punishing us. But really, he's trying to create a spiritual appetite. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all their arose of mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Now, ladies and gentlemen, he wasn't out of the woods yet. He was still in the world. He was still backslid. He still thought the bright lights of Hollywood was the better life. But at least he was starting to get hungry. Oh, I feel like telling somebody in this house today, don't be discouraged if your children are not back in church. Don't be discouraged if your spouse is not back in church. You say, oh, but I look around, and if I was in their shoes, I would be in church. It may not be that they're out of the woods yet. They're not in church. They're not sitting beside you. They may not be at an altar, but you don't realize inside, there's beginning to be a what. There is a hunger that is starting to develop. And inside, there's already... A reasoning that's taken place. He began to be in want. This is the first sign. What a blessing it is to have hunger. We live in a world where we're always trying to suppress our hunger. There are more pills and vitamins and all kinds of things at Walgreens that you can take that are hunger suppressors. As much as we're all trying to control our hunger for food, we would all be in trouble if we didn't have a hunger for food. I have a cousin who is pastoring a small church down the panhandle of Florida on the beach down there in the Destin area, big resort area. and He went there. He was only there six months when they told him that he had throat cancer. How many of you know the devil will try to silence you when you try to do something for him? Packed him right up in his throat. He's younger than I am. And before long, they told him, you know, it's stage four or five or whatever, and it's advanced, and we got to do this and that, and chemo and radiation. And so he went through all of this uh, chemo and radiation. And when he was going through all of this stuff, he couldn't hardly stand the thought of food. His throat was on fire all the time. He couldn't even think of eating. They told him, we don't care if you drink milkshakes all day. You've got to put something in your body that'll build these cells back that are being destroyed from this poison that we're putting into your system. He said, I can't. I can't stand the thought of food. He said, for three weeks, I couldn't eat anything. I have no desire. I got no appetite, no want. They told him, if you don't eat, we're going to put a feeding tube in your abdomen and just keep you in the hospital hooked up to a, a feeding tube or an IV. Or They ended up having to surgically insert a gastric feeding tube into his stomach to feed him because the radiation and the chemo had destroyed his want I've come to tell somebody today it's a blessing to have a want a desire nobody can give you a desire your spouse your parents your grandparents your children desire hunger want has to be something born within your own spirit But if you do have a desire for spiritual things, I want to tell you today, it's a blessing. I said, it's a blessing. If you desire spiritual blessings, if you have a hunger, then God doesn't have to do spiritual surgery on you and forcibly put a feeding tube in your side. If you just wake up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord. That's saying, I got a hunger for the things of God today. God, I want you to be in my house today. I want you to be in this car today. I want you to be on the job with me today. I don't want to go through one day without you. I want more of you today than I had yesterday. That's a hunger. And God's hand will be upon those that are hungry. He said, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. If you're thirsty, I'll give you a drink. If you knock, it'll be open. If you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, you'll find. God responds to those that are hungry for him. Problem with Jacob and Esau was one was hungry and one wasn't. One wanted the spiritual blessings and one didn't. Esau should have received the birthright. He was the oldest. God can't turn away a hungry spirit. Jacob said, I want the birthright. I want the blessing of God. It's Jacob that wrestles with God. As he appeared to him in the form of an angel, as he's getting ready now to reunite with his brother and he's got his family and they're getting ready to go across the Jordan River. He says, you guys go on, but here, I've got to get a hold of God. There was something in his spirit his entire life. He didn't always do the right thing. Even his name meant that he was a deceiver, but there was something inside of him that said, I want more of God. I desire more of God. He went through trials. He went through testing, but God said, finally, I'm going to change your identity and now your name is going to be Israel because you are a prince with me you are that that has the identity of God's hand somebody said I'll never be able to do much for God because of where I came from ladies and gentlemen God uses people not necessarily with ability but with availability I desire you God I don't have a lot to give you. I just desire you. That's all God needs is somebody that's hungry. you got to have the want to. We look around this world, and we think the world's getting too far away from God, and certainly the world is becoming more and more secular. We look around us, and we think there's a spiritual famine that's in in the land. And I've come to encourage you today, never fear. God is just creating an appetite. Woo! You look throughout the history of the way God interacts with humanity. When things get really bad, that's when God does some really great things. Because people say, my hope is not in the government. My hope is not in my bank account. My hope is not in any other kind of relationship. My hope is in getting on my knees and saying, God, I need you. I'm tired of living without you. I'm tired of doing my old thing, my old way. I've got to have you. I am in want. I am in want. Sometimes everything else has to You dr- get the want back. Sometimes everything else has to burn up in our lives. Before we get the desire back. My family and I were privileged uh, just a couple of months ago to spend one entire month in Africa. Going to some of the poorest countries in the world. Malawi, Madagascar, Zambia. Some of the poorest. We were in Malawi, one of the poorest countries in the world. Every chart you look at, they're in the top ten poorest countries in the world. But here's the incredible thing about it. They're one of the top 10 happiest people in the world. And they have nothing that we would think of, but they are rich on God's blessings. I said they're rich on God's blessings. In one service, I saw 14 people healed of blindness because of their malnutrition and their diet and their food and their water quality and all that their eyes cloud over at a very young age but under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost I saw 14 people's eyes opened up in just a matter of minutes I saw one pastor's wife who had broken her arm and through some sort of a surgery the doctor had mangled it and she had not had use of it for over 10 months but when we prayed for her her arm was stretched forth like the withered hand in the Bible I saw people healed of deafness I saw tumors disappear you say those poor people don't have anything. I tell you what they do have. They got a desire for the things of God. And I say, God, do what you gotta do. But give us an appetite for you. I know America's been blessed, and America is a blessing a lot of other countries. Brother Joel and your pastor, and I are a part of a group called Hands for Healing. We're actually building a medical clinic right now in Haiti. And last week, we fed over 1,000 people, and there were a 100 cars lined up. And I went and talked to these people in their car before we ever started giving out the food. And every one of them said, we're hungry. We're hungry. We're not just hungry naturally. We're hungry spiritually. I thought to myself, oh, i got to be able to share the gospel With my generation, that the solution we're gonna feed you naturally, but there's something greater, there's something better. (laughs) Gotta get that appetite back. What has to happen for us to get the want? Because the blessing is in the want, he began to be in want, it's human nature. It's human nature for want to decrease as blessings increase. Somehow we have to keep our want. If we do, blessings will continue to flow because it's no big deal for God to bless. But what are the repercussions of those blessings? What is the fallout of those blessings? If it's going to stop our appetite for the things of God, then the blessings are withheld. But if I can stay hungry for God, if I can stay hungry for God, now, let me just interject this. After you get your want, after you get that desire, you got to make the right decisions on how to satisfy the want. I have no problem wanting food. I don't have a lot of sympathy for people like Pastor Urshan that says, I work really hard to try to gain weight. It's hard for me to be sympathetic. They don't have to hook me up to anything to want chicken parmesan and spaghetti from Maggiano's. If I think about it right now, I may run off from the platform and go get some. I can want. I can want in the morning. I can want at noontime. I can want in the middle of the night. It's taken many years to get this down, but I can eat when I'm not hungry. My wife will say, I can't eat. I've already eaten. I say, so? Hence the problems that you're facing. But the problem is for me to want the right stuff. I've never been able to develop a craving for the right kind of food. I want all the bad stuff. I'm praying that through all of this modern science, they'll figure out how to create Krispy Kreme donuts where there's no bad side effects. Someone said, you can eat all you want. You just got to eat the right stuff. I've never been able to develop a craving for broccoli. I can eat it, but it's not something I enjoy. Oh, the broccoli is here. They say, well, once you eat it enough, you'll develop a craving for it. Well, I must have really strong willpower because I've never gotten addicted to lettuce. I can stop eating lettuce at any moment and be happy about it. I don't understand these people. They go out to eat and all they do is order a salad. I keep wondering when the rest of the food is going to arrive. I worry about them as I look over as I'm working on my T-bone and I look over them and they're eating a salad. I think, what are they going to bring them their food? (laughs) To me, a salad is just to keep you in your seat until the real food gets there. It's a promise that something good is in the kitchen and it's going to arrive shortly. If they never bring out the main meal, it's false advertising. (laughs) There's a big steak back there and at any moment, it's going to bust through the door. Because a salad comes with your meal. It was never intended to be a meal. (laughs) I have the want, but how do I turn my want into the right decisions? This young man began to want, but look at what happened next. Verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. The want was to drive him back to his father's house. But instead he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He got desire, but he didn't get direction with his desire. Good God Almighty. There's a lot of people that have desire. Why do you think people go to palm readers and and carry crystals and join cults? There's a lot of desire, but there's no direction with the desire. They join the wrong company. Once you get desire, you got to get the right direction. What you get the want, you got to find the right way. The wrong way, here's where the wrong. You say, "Well, what's the wrong way?" Let me tell you what the wrong way is before I tell you what the right way is. The wrong way is to try and find a natural solution to a supernatural problem. I will say that again. The wrong way is to try to find a natural solution to a supernatural problem. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you what the problem is in humanity? Sin. I said it's sin. It's not all the stuff that you think it is. It's just sin. And to get rid of sin, you got to get a supernatural solution. And there's only one thing that's going to deliver you from sin. It's the blood of Jesus. you got to find a place and bow your knee and say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. The problem with this young man was not that he was out of money. The problem was that he was out from under his father's covering. He had a spiritual problem. He tried to solve it by being friends with a stranger. The need that you have in your life for relationship and intimacy is only going to be filled when you get right with God. Get back to your father's house. Who is it that created you? You weren't an amoeba that swam around and then found your way on a shore and ran around and grabbed a hold of a vine and swung through a tree and started walking on two legs. You were created in the image of God. You've got one heavenly father. And I'm going to tell you the only thing that's going to satisfy what's longing in your soul is for you to get back to your creator and to say, God, I've tried everything else, but nothing has satisfied me. Why not try Jesus? The void that you have in your life right now is not the loss of a natural relationship. It is God calling you to be in relationship with him. This joining... This allegiance, this agreement that this young man entered into with this unnamed citizen brought about the feeding of swine. Nothing, ladies and gentlemen, is more unclean than swine. In the Old Testament, the Jews were forbidden to eat pork because of how unclean they were. And the process of sanitizing the meat was much different than from today. God created these creatures. He knew how unclean they were. And at one point, God cast devils out of a man and gave them permission to go into the pigs. The pigs ran off a cliff and died, drowned in the water. Even pigs are smart enough to know when a devil gets on them. These were Jews that had their sin going on the backside. They were selling pork on the black market. So Jesus was taking out two birds with one stone, cleansing a man and judging sin, all at the same time. But the swine represented the very lowest of our flesh, the very nature of uncleanness, the very opposite of being clean. If the Holy Ghost represents the pure nature of God, then swine represents the unclean nature of our flesh. When you join yourself with citizens of this country, folks, you are doing what only the impulse of your flesh dictates. You are just following that, if I can say it this way, swine-like nature. Because all of us are born in sin and shapen in iniquity. So we always got those pigs that are nipping at our heels. Yeah. Yeah. Things go wrong and the pigs go oink, 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 oink. They want you to take them. You got to forget the pigs. Got to make your way back to the father's house. How long are we going to fight the pigs over pig food? God has a table spread where the saints of God are fit. I like that old song, come and dine. The master call it. Oh, your flesh will say all you need is another drug. Your flesh will say all you need is another drink. Your flesh will say all you need is an immoral relationship. Your flesh will say all you need is another hit on internet pornography. But there is a holy God saying if you're in want there is a savior that will satisfy not just your spirit but even the desires of your flesh what a mighty God we serve what a mighty God we serve oh. you end up just trying to satisfy the flesh If you don't channel the want in the right direction. The young man needed to be fed, but instead of him being fed, he was feeding the swine. The spiritual hunger that people feed is oftentimes substituted by feeding the flesh. The drugs, the drink, the immorality. They end up feeding the swine. If you hang out with the wrong people, you'll do things you never thought you would do. I'm fortunate that I have children that are in Bible quizzing. One of the reasons that we are involved in Bible quizzing is because David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You say, well, there's no guarantee your kids aren't going to sin. That's true, but you can do everything you can to try to fortify them. And there's nothing better than the word of God in your heart. But I was, I was having a lunch and my family the other day and the boys, my, son, my twin sons, Gregory and Luke, that are here, they're, they're going to turn 13 in January. So I said, now you guys, you're going to be teenagers next month and you're going to be hit with some stuff. And I said, you got to know how to handle it. Now, I'm not getting any younger. I'm trying to retire and buy a sailboat and float around in the Bahamas. I need y'all to be ready to go. <laughs> Those of you that know me know that would never happen. Maybe for a few weeks, then you get bored. But I said, I don't need y'all. I don't, I, don't need, I don't have time for y'all to sow your wild oats. They said, no, oh, no, Dad, we won't. We're gonna. And, and they've been quizzing. Last year they won the national championship. Mike and Lori were there with us. And God's blessed them. We talked about how to quiz under the anointing. Because God will anoint his word, so God anoints everything with his word. He anointed them, and they, they won the national championship and all that. And so we were talking. They, they already started memorizing acts, and they already started on this year. And. And my, my little seven-year-old daughter, Sophia, she got involved in quizzing this year. So while we're all sitting there at the table, I said, now you guys are going to get hit with some stuff. I need y'all to, you know, keep having that spiritual hunger and desire that you have. And they said, oh, yeah, we will. I said, I know you say that now, but hormones haven't kicked in yet. When they do, you're going to get hit with some stuff. You're going to get all dizzy and fuzzy, and you're not going to know which way. You got to stick with the word. Because you're going to be 13 in January and you're going to get hit with some stuff. And in the middle of all this, my seven-year-old daughter pipes in. She goes, I know that's true. I said, what what do you mean? She said, I've already been hit with some stuff. I said, what have you been hit with? She said, it's called Bible quizzing. (laughs) She'd already had a trial trying to memorize verses every (laughs) day. There is no doubt that life throws a lot of curveballs our way. And one of the temptations is to... I remember the first year I went to law school. I remember I had gone through a tough place in my ministry. I started law school and, boy, everybody in school was... So kind, and they put me on this club and put me on the moot court team and booked this class and that class and sponsored me to go to Oxford, all of this stuff. I can remember thinking, man, people in church are so judgmental, but everybody in law school is so loving and accepting. Y'all act all holy like y'all ain't never had situations like that. but I know how human nature works. I remember driving home one time and thinking, God, man, everybody is so kind to me. I just feel like I, I belong. And the Lord said, I called you to preach the gospel. I said, Lord, I, I, I'll i always put you first. You'll help me get through all of this. I'll put you first. And, and I remember making that promise to the Lord. And then later on, I was involved in a, in a competition where we were quizzing, quizzing him. Yeah. We were doing moot court arguments against other schools and we were arguing before the Florida State Supreme Court and I had just come out from giving this oral argument that I thought was, you know, going to be influential and perhaps win the debate. And I got around to the side of the building where nobody could see me. We were over in the, in the Walt Disney World area in this competition. And I got over there beside the, behind the building and my adrenaline was still pumping. And I said, I was made for this. Boy, as soon as I said that, the Lord pricked my heart. He said, no, you weren't. I called you to preach the gospel. And I mean, I, I, I had great friends in that process. People that were very skilled, cognitive skills, unimaginable. Didn't have a moral compass. Didn't have that moral compass. And I found I could never get away from the moral compass that kept directing me not just to logical conclusions, but to spiritual conclusions. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful I had a spiritual mom and dad that put some principles in me at a young age. I didn't always see the value in it. There were times when I felt that lure to draw and to join myself to citizens of another country. There was a voice beckoning from the Father's house my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there ye shall be also. I've come to tell somebody today. I don't know if you're in the Valley of Decision today, but there is a God that wants you to know this. There is joy. There is peace. There is fulfillment. There is purpose in my Father's house. I'm coming to a close. I read a study that they did on what contributed to the first time a person takes drugs. And over 80% was because of the group they were with. Everybody was doing it and they wanted to be accepted. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody needs to be like Daniel. Belshazzar offered the vice president of Babylon. He said, you can keep your ring and you can keep your royal robe. Because tonight your kingdom will be taken from you. I refuse, citizen of this country, when the land is in famine. Why join a sinking ship? All you'll end up doing is feeding the swine. They will not satisfy the hunger and the want that you have inside. you got the want. That's a blessing. But now you've got to use that want to drive you back to your Father, to your Creator, to your Savior. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Verse 16 says, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He tried to eat what the pigs were eating. He literally had to eat what they left This is what sin does to you, folks. People literally lose kids, families, spouses, jobs, self-respect. Everything to feed an addiction. To feed the swine. They feed the addiction first and then try to eat what is left over. Thank God the story does not end there. But verse 17 says, and when he came to himself. Thank God you're at this building this morning. When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare. And I perish with hunger. He came to himself. Ladies and gentlemen, the hunger will cause you to come to yourself. Every single human being. This is what each one of us has to do. God gave us all a spiritual appetite. He created all of you in His image, but He left a piece of the puzzle out. And that piece of the puzzle can never be filled with anything in this life. It's only God's presence and God's spirit that can satisfy. When I was young, we used to we used to sing an old song, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. I remember one time, as just a young boy, I was at Walt Disney World which is only about an hour from where we live, and they used to do this thing called Night of Joy where they'd bring all these Christian groups in. And I remember one night, they closed the park down and You go around, they have all different Christian bands all around the park. And I remember there was this guy that was singing in the front of the castle. And there were people lined up all the way down Main Street, USA. And I was only like 14, 15 years old. And, of course, there were talented musicians and singers. But at one point, he started singing, Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And I looked down Main Street, USA, where thousands of people were standing. And I saw people start to lift their hands and sing that song. It was a seminal moment, Pastor Urshan, in my mind as a young person that regardless of the bright lights of Disney World, it was still only Jesus that can satisfy your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe God's got something for you today. It's only Jesus that can give you what you're searching for. I wonder if you'd bow your head right now and close your eyes. I feel the presence of God here. Lord, I want to just thank you right now for the hunger that you put in our hearts. For the blessing of the want that you have given us. And Lord, I ask today that you would give your people courage. respond to that the drawing of your word by saying Lord I will come to you I wonder would you step out from where you're standing right now would you make your way down to this altar something perhaps you've been wrestling with something you've been trying to figure out how you were gonna work it God says today why don't you just turn it over to me just say God I'm seeking you today I'm coming to you today Lord I'm putting it all in your hands I'm coming back to the Father's house. I'm going to return to a place of repentance. Come on, separate yourself from strangers of God. Come out of the pigsty of sin. Get up. Remember your true identity. You belong in the Father's house. The Bible said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, yea, they have become the sons of God. Oh, I think it would be good for all of us to respond. Why don't you do that? Maybe you want to take your neighbor by the hand right now. Why don't you step out if there's not room here? Maybe you can come out in the aisle. But I believe we ought to make a step toward him today to communicate God with this hunger that you put in my heart. I'm going to respond the right way. I'm not going to turn to anything this world has to offer. God, I'm going to come to you. God bless you today. He says nothing else to take your
0: place. Feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find the way Bring me back to you Oh, draw me closer